everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast, coming to you tonight after the Champions League game in Denmark against Michelin, which ended 1-1, um, thanks to VAR. Um, but we shall discuss that as we move along. On the pod tonight, first up, somewhere moving around the Liverpool area in his car, we have Mike Davis. How are you, Mike? Uh, yeah, good. All good, Dave. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to say about tonight. I think we'll move on from that game, shall we? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we'll have a very brief discussion around it, but nice to have you on, anyhow. Uh, yeah, next it, up, it. another man in an ever-changing location, uh, Andy Bell, who's back in Belfast, just to confuse us all again. Andy, how are you? Been a while? Yeah, yeah, not bad, thanks. Um, not the most exciting game to talk about tonight, I guess, but at least sort of we'll have the draw and other external factors to keep us keep us occupied and keep us excited, you know what I mean? So, yeah, thanks for having me. There's there's plenty in there. There's plenty of what comes in the future, I think, would be more interesting than what we saw tonight, to be indeed, fair. Indeed. But we'll move on. And last, certainly not least, also in Belfast, we have Johnny Henderson, our usual European main man. How are you, Johnny? Hey, Dave. One thing we learned tonight was that European referees are every bit as good at fucking up VAR as English referees, so that was a twist. So, John, yeah. maybe maybe they, they even exceeded and went further than the English referees today. Oh, seriously. Yeah. Right. But listen, before before we go anywhere, there's there's a topic, and I've seen it on Twitter, and I've been banging on about it in the group, and I want to go around the table just very quickly with this. You know, we, we've seen our manager in, in, in the last couple of weeks, John, and, and I know you have a slightly different take on this than I do, and that's why I want to discuss it. Basically, Jürgen has, has rightly been berating the schedule, the, the early kickoffs, and so on, and so on, and so on. And, and he had an opportunity, a golden opportunity tonight, in a complete dead rubber game, which it didn't matter what way the result ended up in any permutation, it didn't affect the group. And I was expecting to see a very much weaker team than we actually ended up fielding. Um, and my worry isn't about that, and my complaint isn't about that, but I can't help but feel that Klopp sort of set himself up, especially with the broadcasters here, that he cannot be seen to to, to be making any more of this, because if he does, you know, he, he's basically diluted his argument, which was a very sound argument, and one that I agreed with totally. And And I think that you know, somewhere down the line that these broadcasters will, will, will take a dig at him and we'll end up looking a bit silly. I think that, that's where I am with it, Johnny. What, what's your own view? Yeah, well, we were talking about this pre-pod, weren't we? And I know I'm maybe a wee bit contrary on, on this compared to what other people said. But my well, my take on it is I get that 100%. And we know the way that the, the British media behave. And when they find something, they'll go for it. And we've seen it with Benitez. And I'll call it out as well. They're, they're more likely to go after a foreign manager as well than they are. I mean, we've seen Ferguson got away with for years with basically barring journalists and berating and bullying and calling referees fat and telling, <laughs> telling people that a team were cheating their manager because they didn't try as hard. Uh, they tried too hard against his team and he was trying to fire them up. So we, we know all that. But, but I think for me, and this is just my take and other people might disagree. Could you argue tonight that um, Salah shouldn't have been on the pitch for 90 minutes? Of course you could. Um, I get that argument. Uh, that being said, I think if Shakiri and, for example, Oxlade-Chamberlain um, were ready, I don't think that would have happened. I think they would have played. So I think there was a little bit of that. But I also think that Klopp's, Klopp's argument on this is about a very specific point. 
Um, it's a condensed season. He's talked about it's a compressed season, recovery time. They haven't had a proper pre-season, all these things. We know that muscle injuries are up 42% or whatever it is in the league. So we know it's an And that, that was a horrible pitch they were on as it well, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, of course it was. It was a nightmare of a pitch. So I get all that. Um, but his point's been very specific. Like, the one thing that he has really gone to town on, there's been, well, there's been two, hasn't there? There's been the subs, where he just feels that they should have this option of five subs. Why are they being contrary? Not doing something that the rest of Europe can, is, is, has agreed and signed up to to protect players. But also, very specifically, when it's been BT, the high-profile, you know, 12.30 um, kickoff, and he's been very vocal that, you know, you finish the Champions League game on a Wednesday night, you shouldn't be involved in that half-12 game. Solskjaer made the same point before United played, or, or after United played at Everton. And that's, for me, that's been the big one. I think we could debate the ins and outs all. Is he setting himself up a bit? Of course he is. It's the British media. All my view is, is, is just to consider the fact, though, that it's Tuesday. There's loads of days rest here. It's five days rest before we, before we play Fulham. You then get three days, you know, for, uh, for, for Tottenham, uh, at home. And the bigger picture is we've known over the last, this is a team that have basically been going for, for the last three seasons, you know, 18, 19, 20, this is a team that have gone to the wire every season. You know, they've either been involved in a title challenge or they've been involved in a European European Cup final. So, and over that period, Klopp's been exemplary. Fitness of the team's been exemplary. Managing injuries, fitness, you know, now we've got a few players out. People are saying, <clears throat> oh, it's about time. You know, they never get injuries. So he manages this well. And all my point is, Salah went away, he had COVID, there was that break where he didn't play. They will be forensically looking at his minutes and managing his minutes. And Klopp wouldn't have played him for 90 minutes, knowing how key he is. Salah is one of our absolute key men. He starts when it matters. Salah will always will always start. So could it be used as a bit of a stick? Didn't yes. matter, John. That's the point I'm making. This didn't matter. No, no. Uh, I get that. But again... Managing the players and the sharpness. We, we often talk about Liverpool too. We're not a team that we we don't like usually big breaks. We usually get into a rhythm. We get our games and we and we and we get into a rhythm as well. So I, I take the argument. Um, I would say there's two sides to it. One, he manages the minutes really carefully, and we know that historically anyway. And two, there really wasn't a lot else. I mean, you seen how that match went when even Camacho came in and you took out Fabinho. You start taking out and, and playing uh, kids all over the park. He's probably still thinking about uh, about that as well. So I get it, but that's that's my take on it. Basically, Klopp knows what he's doing, but he'd probably take some pelters. No, fair enough, fair enough. You make a, a, a few fair points there, John. Uh, absolutely. Andy, I know you're maybe slightly more on, on, on my way of thinking. And, you know, when you... When you, I don't know whether you saw Gary Neville's um, sort of ripping apart of Klopp's argument, and you know it's been the same for the X amount of years, and blah blah blah. I ju- my my worry is that that somewhere down the line this is going it, to, it's not certainly not a complaint against Klopp in any shape or form. I just think he's leaving himself open to that horrible side of the British media that love to build a foreign manager into a hero, but take much more delight in tearing him down. Yeah, um, I'm. 
just listen to, to, to what Johnny said there, and I, I can't argue with any of it. And I think the point you're trying to make, which is what I, which is what I agree with, is that your average punter watching Sky Sports or listening to Talk Sport isn't going to take all that into consideration. They're just going to see Mo Salah playing 90 minutes, getting injured in a future game, and Klopp complaining about it, and that's all they need to make up their mind on that. And their mind's not going to change in that, and that's the issue. Um. Another point I would make is on the sports science, it's it's a lot more complicated than sort of um, like just give everyone a rest when you can. You know, you you've two weeks of dead rubbers, so you rest all the first team. I don't think that's necessarily what's best for the the fitness, for the sharpness, and and that might actually um you know end up causing causing further injuries down the line. So I think there are there are instances where, for example, Trent Alexander Arnold tonight. Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting him to play ninety minutes certainly, but certainly to at least get sixty. Um. To have just build up, build his way back up to match fitness, and and navigate you know, exactly the same, Andy. Navigate yeah, exactly. Navi- you want them to get the minutes. They need it. Nab- Nabi as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And 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 there were, you know, I wouldn't have gone with a team of, of purely just kids tonight. Um, I would I would have gone for Trent. I would I would have picked Nabi as well. And I was just expecting, you know, all right, if you don't want to play like I don't know a Paul Glatzel in the front three, then yes, you give Salah forty five and bring Mane on or Firmino or something like that, but. That isn't what happened. And the only thing I can sort of think from it, and I'm sure, obviously, massively jumping the gun here in terms of uh, talking about the weekend's game, but I, I really don't think Salah will play that. I'd be shocked if Salah plays that, actually. Uh, or I mean, Salah starts out, of course, he plays some point, uh, at some point, especially if we need him uh, to come on and do something. But yeah, it's, it, it is a bit of a strange one. Like, you, you look at that tonight, and it's as, it's, it's as dead a rubber as a game can be. It's not even as if we were playing for top of the group. We already had that wrapped up as well. Um, and yeah, we all know what's going to happen now. If 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 Salah gets injured, everyone's going to point to that rightly or wrongly. Um, and yeah, it's it's just one of those on the on the sort of broadcasting thing. It's like it's just a difficult one because, as I was saying in the chat, you know, BT pay a lot of money for that spot. A spot. Um, what they don't tell of it, any of us because they know there'd be a backlash over it uh, is that it is the the slot that suits the Far East audience the best. I think it's maybe half five their time, and. Everyone sort of over there wants to watch Liverpool. They want to watch Man United. They don't want to watch Burnley versus Sheffield United. You know what I mean? And uh, and that's where it becomes difficult because you're then saying to them, well, you obviously can't play anyone who's playing in the Europa League. You can't play anyone who's playing on the Wednesday. You can't play any of the teams they're playing. Oh, and also Sky of the first two or three picks there. So I can understand where BT Sport are coming from, even though I think they're quite snide in the way they've gone about it and the way they've framed Klopp in all of this. Um, so I think it's it's just it's just very confusing all around from sports science to broadcasting rights to money to blah blah blah. Um, but the point you're making what is what I agree with is that uh, your average person, your average consumer of the media and football, your sort of casual follower, uh, is just going to see that tonight and think, well, he's been moaning about this for two weeks. Why on earth he played Salah for ninety minutes? Absolutely. Hence, falling into the what would be then the, the media narrative. Uh, Mike, I know yourself, like myself. A little bit older, seen it all before, and you have the same worry as I have that that this media could just as easily turn against Jurgen. Um, and you know we saw it with the Gary Neville thing. It, 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 to me, that almost sort of resonated of the sharpening of the knife. And given the nature of the man of Jurgen Klopp, I don't think he has time for that. You know, like we look back at how Graham Taylor was treated, prime example. Um, Scalari before as well couldn't couldn't deal with them and I think Klopp falls into that mold of why would he want want to stand for that type of abuse and and, and that's my honestly that's the driver for me and I think you share that 
I do, Dave. Yeah, I, I just think he's set himself up now. I think BT will set traps for him in interviews and they'll fire every bullet they've got at him. Um, and I don't think he's, I'm like you, I don't think he's a bloke that'll stay around if the media turn on him. I think he'll happily walk back to Germany uh, without a blink of an eye as well, I think that. Uh, I don't think he could handle the media um, firing into him like that. I think he's a kind of bloke, he's a straight-talking bloke, but I think he likes to be loved, doesn't he? He gives that demeanour. Absolutely. There's an ego behind there. Quite quite clearly, I wouldn't want him without it. He needs it. But it's a yeah. very different type of ego than the average football manager. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's definitely. People don't see that, I don't think, Dave. Uh, but there's definitely an ego there. Um, it, it does really concern me. And like tonight, um, and there's, I'd have played the under nines. <laughs> I wouldn't have cared about what... I think we said earlier before, um, the only fans watching that tonight were Liverpool and the Danish team's fans. No one else is bothered in that game, are they, tonight? Uh, so they're not going to get there's more. There's far too many games. Far too many games at the same time with something to play for. If you're, yeah. if, you're if you're a neutral in this, you're watching the other teams. Yeah, yeah. I understand what Johnny's saying. Uh, I get, you know, I totally understand what he's saying and where he's coming from. But I just think we had a great opportunity to rest the lads tonight. Trent, yeah, I agree. Give him 60 minutes. Um, like I said earlier, I, I thought he might have started with the two young kids at centre-half and brought Fabinho on. But after talking to you lads, I get, yeah, probably should have gone in at half-time, 2 3 nil up. Then you take him off, show the game up, don't you? Uh, Robbo wouldn't have come on, would he? Uh, if it weren't for the injury, I don't think. Without a doubt, um, uh, yeah, I just um, think he's careful from now on. I think to, for the to, next to fin- month, Mike. I think for me, finishing with our our front three on the pitch, right? Oh, <laughs> just a that's... state of confusion for me. Yeah, total and utter. Yeah, totally agree. You're risking on that pitch. You're risking injury, aren't you? You know, um, even without just turning quickly, it was a dreadful pitch. Uh, and imagine if Marnie got injured tonight going on for that last 20 minutes. Oh, imagine that. Don't, oh. don't. <laughs> don't bear well, thinking here. about it. I just come yeah. in just dead, dead no, quick no. On, that, on that point as well. Um, like, because I understand that people maybe listen to this might think what I was saying was maybe, well, why are we pandering to your sort of, your average bunter, your, your muppet on, that rings in Talksport after his six pints on a Saturday night or whatever? You know, why, why do we care what they think? But, the reason for that is that, like, this is all about money at the end of the day, and and, and Premier League clubs aren't going to vote against getting, you know, getting less money because the, the product for BT is lessened if they get, they've only like six or seven teams to choose from on a Saturday. So what you know, what Klopp needs to do is he needs to sort of get um, your average punter on side. It's until until these companies and the Premier League are hitting the pocket by it, um, you know, nothing will ever change. And we've seen that that Brighton game was absolutely dreadful. Liverpool Atalanta, I thought was a dreadful game. Uh, the the second one, the two 0 loss, uh, even the second half at Man City, even though it was a good result for us, I thought it was a dreadful game. And the product is being weakened by this mad scheduling, this mad scheduling, uh, and the and and the congestion. And if if we're seen to sort of, it doesn't really matter what we're seen to do, but if people are taking, as you say, the, the media narrative of well, don't complain about this because you played Salah for ninety minutes in Michelin, that. For them, is going to override the the rational thought of 
the product's being worsened because players' legs are falling off, players are getting injured, and games just aren't as entertaining to watch. Well, I, th- I think lack of fans is, is you know, I know we're, we're, we're starting to, to, to creep back again in, into that, Andy, but, you know, I think lack of fans needs to be thrown in there as, as a biggie there as well on performances across across world football, I think, at the moment. Um, you know, you can broad stroke it, really. But listen, let's get into some, well, can we call it football, Johnny? I don't know. <laughs> a, a, a VAR wonderland. Where do you even start yeah. with it? Um, you know, the penalty that never was. Um, the goal that was perfectly fine from Minamino that was disallowed. The absolute incompetence in, in the amount of time that it took the referee to go to the various many VAR decisions that had to be made in the game. We ended up with nearly 10 minutes of injury time in the second half. It, very little football to talk about in there, but plenty, as always. Back to it again. We've had a couple of weeks respite off it, but VAR's back again, Johnny. Uh, yeah, it was, and it wasn't good. And I'd probably been one of the people when VAR came in. I was sort of an advocate for it. But obviously, over the, you know, as the months go by, you're, enthusiasm you watch rugby and you thought it was going to be the same like me <laughs> yeah well maybe i think there's still things in rugby that they do that i wish they would do with, with transparency which seems to me a pretty obvious thing to do um and they don't do but obviously rugby by its very nature is a set piece stop start game um you know the i was listening to the downfield rap the other week and they were sort of talking about cricket as well it's perfect for technology do you know what i mean just for the nature of it Football is all about the flow and it's all subjective and you see a foul and you think, is it the initial contact? Oh, hold on, their legs are still tangled there and they're in their box. Is that not a penalty like you've seen in the in the Brighton game? But I think one of the things I've been sort of holding on to, and that's been ripped away tonight, <laughs> was that um, in Europe, they seem to be... I mean, there's been games in Europe where people have actually put in the group. Other groups that I'm in, people have said, Oh, wasn't it great tonight where there was no VAR? And I had to reply and go, there was VAR. I just didn't use it. Or they used yeah, it. They used properly. They used properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, but, but then that tonight was the worst um, excesses of VAR. And it was and it was really quite odd, to be honest, to see it in a, in a Champions League game like that. I was, I was just bemused by it. I think the, the, the one thing that stood to me was I was watching the incidents and going, these replays tell you nothing. They're from really bad angles. You're not getting it to, you know, even the incompetence of the English Premier League, you get angles where you go, right, well, at least I can see what they were looking at. Even the guys like Walton, you got Peter Walton and the guys that, you know, that were doing the commentary, Peter Drury, whatever they were like, they were bemused. They were like, I, we're not really seeing the definitive of what this is. So when they gave the, the, the penalty, we'd all looked at it and went, well, he's offside there. And then it was about five minutes after the incident, they showed um, a replay and you were like, was it or wasn't it? But it was just so, it was so incompetent. And ultimately you're left going, why was it a penalty? It was clearly offside. Manny jumps. I still don't see. There was one angle where I thought maybe it did hit Manny's arm, but every other angle it seemed to hit the other guy's arm. It looked like a perfectly good goal and and it's not even that it's like the decisions are one thing and with VAR you, you obviously the whole point is to get the decisions right but it sucks the life out of a game 
It really does suck the life out of a game. I mean, the standard when you, you, when you have 10 minutes injury time and a half, John, it's, and it's there's very fact. little injury, you know, there's very few players going down injured, that begs its own question. Uh, it does. It does completely, Dave, and it does take away from the spectacle. And it is at the point that I never thought I'd be saying this because I was like, listen to these drama queens almost when people were saying, it's going to kill football and that. But now when you sort of have this body of evidence, you know, thousands and thousands of matches it's been used for across Europe and England now. And it's not getting any better. Decisions seem to be getting slower. They're, they're doing things that are baffling. They're finding things when they, you're wondering why have they found it and then they're missing. It just feels like Harry Maguire can wrestle somebody in the box and that never gets looked at. Then the slightest little bit of contact and the players don't even look at it and they're playing well, on them. What, what, what was the difference between Manny's goal tonight and Pogba's goal last night? Because I don't see any difference apart from one's allowed and one's disallowed, but yeah. they look mightily yeah. similar. Completely. I mean, that's it. And that's the whole thing. Uh, I mean, even even look at the incident we have. Even look at the, the Andy Robertson-Welbeck incident. And then look at the, the Chelsea incident where the, the Leeds player, it was an identical incident. The only difference being the Leeds player didn't go to the ground and Kevin Friend gives a gives a penalty um, against Liverpool. It gives nothing in that. And that's, that's it in a nutshell. None of the inconsistency has gone away. We don't really feel we're getting better decisions. And it's having such an impact on watching a game of football now. You really are at the point of where you're looking at it and going, what is the point? What is the point of it? I just, I, it's lost on me now. And if they got rid of it forever and they said it was gone from the weekend, I wouldn't be one bit sad. I'd be glad to see the back of it. That's where I am now with it. I think you, you speak for everybody on that one, Johnny. It, it really has reached a point where you, you feel that the game's being destroyed. Um, certainly the fluidity of it, the fluidity of it um, is, is certainly being undermined. And the, Beyond VAR, and, and please do uh, give your opinion on on those VAR decisions, and and maybe even just stray into maybe some some performances tonight that of note there wasn't. You know, I think I certainly went into this game. It was absolutely, it was just meant nothing. You know what I mean? I, I, and as Mike said, I'd have been happy with the under nines. I'd be happy with a whole team of, of 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 kids out there that we've maybe never seen before and see what they can do uh, as a spectacle rather than than, than what we got. But what was your what was your takeaway from it all? Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult because the one thing that like I I sit down to at, at six o'clock tonight and you know I see the team and I, I'm feeling a bit more excited about this than than I have been in, in certain other weeks because it is such a well it's, it's not even a low pressure game it's a no pressure game um, and we never really get those anymore especially with the league being the way it is now where you have to pretty much get well you have to get at least over ninety points to win it the way City are and the way we've been. Um, and the Champions League, obviously, normally you need to. Uh, normally, it's it's winner bust as well. So I was sort of a bit excited to sit down and watch it. See, obviously, the likes of Clarkson, um, Williams, see Trent coming back in, see what see what could happen there. And yeah, it, I mean, there there also was no uh, McManaman and Fletch which, for the first time, which was obviously massive as well. I mean, I just made tonight a Mac and Fletch free zone to be honest, because they were I think they were doing the Real Madrid game, so that made up my mind to watch. Salzburg Atletico. Um, so yeah, there, there are a lot of sort of external factors of my um, slightly more enjoyment of tonight than than just the football itself. But in terms of performances, like 
yeah, there wasn't there wasn't much to get too excited about. Obviously, Minamino gets another chance and doesn't particularly show himself. I've said in this podcast before that I think he needs to play central with Mane and Salah around him and to see, really see what he can do. But I, I sort of at this point think I'm just making excuses for him. To be honest, we're not we're not seeing much. And for French players like that, normally you do, do you have do, to. Do, do you think? He's, he has a future, Andy, because I'm really, truly beginning to sort of... If you take the player that we saw that arrived with Salzburg, we've yet to see anything close to that, and he's been with us yeah. a year. Yeah, and and like you're, t- you're talking about Europe as well. He's got a good few chances in Europe where, if anything, that should be where he has a chance to show himself because it's not as physical and it should suit his game more. The only thing I would say is, like, um, I'd say he's a bit of a, a hybrid between Coutinho and Firmino. And obviously that, that's not on quality because we haven't seen really the quality at all from him so far. But in terms of style, that's how I'd, that's the mold I'd put him into. And what I'd say is, you know, Coutinho, who in the last couple of years, uh, or he, well, even sometimes uh, in the in the mid to early bit of his Liverpool career, he was playing in the three in midfield. But immediately when he came in, you wouldn't have thought he could have played that role. He just, he hadn't filled out enough. And, and you know what I mean? It took him a couple of years the likes of Robertson and, and other players like that who have, who have basically had to do their time in the bench to condition themselves to be able to play for a club side before they are actually making an impact in it. But with Mina Mina, we're sort of we're sort of seeing nothing really, even on the ball. It's, it's not like, Coutinho, for example, going back to Coutinho, who was a bit lightweight at the start, but at least he was producing the moments of magic and he was able to adapt. Whereas with Mina Mina, it's, it's, it's hard to see. And listen, if maybe if you... If we did a podcast in in November 2017 when Andy Robertson wasn't getting games and when he was coming in he he wasn't exactly um he wasn't exactly you know setting the setting the um setting the place on fire you know what I mean so it's difficult and um but he he has been here nearly a year now hasn't he uh, and I like him you know but well, Andy, you can even make a case you, you know Naby Keita is, is a massive frustration to me but he has shown in flashes what's there. And I think mm-hmm. the difference between him and Minamino in my head is we've yet to see the Minamino that came down for the Salzburg shirt and we went, fucking hell, wow. Exactly. Ex- exactly. And, you know, the, the closest we've seen, that's probably that Lincoln game, which, you know, if that's your... if that's yeah, your you're not much of a bar you're setting there, really, no, are you? exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, in another Liverpool side, five years ago even, um, he could have come in here and he could have been, you know, that breath of fresh air. We could be judging him differently, but... He's in this Liverpool side now, and I'm, I've, I've seen very little so far to show that he can he can definitely cut it here. But I am prepared to give him till at least the end of the season before I make a definitive definitive decision on that. Uh, in terms where, of other, where, where are you, big div, big div? Should he be out the door in January? Do you think, or or do we persist? I, I don't know. It's sort of like every every time he he puts in a load of stinkers, and then like for example, if comes in comes the last game of last amazing. season. Yeah. yeah, either it's a big goal or like that last game of last uh, last season at Newcastle, he was brilliant. He got a goal and assist. And, you know, he he always you always end find yourself. It's like Sturridge when he came back in middle of the season. He's been injured all year. Everyone's saying sell him, sell him, sell him. Comes in and scores a couple no of goals against West Ham anymore. You know where we are oh, exactly. now in, in football. There, it leaves no wriggle room with sentiment. And regardless of what he's done for us in the past, what we've seen from him recently and even the tail end of last season, it's it, it's just not. If he's 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 a round peg in a square hole, and I think there's maybe even an argument to be have been a bit more ruthless than that, Dave. And I've got rid of him after Madrid because you could have got forty yeah, million for yeah, him no, then, and everyone I, I, knew he wasn't the future. Yeah, 
but it, it's the way things are and the way the, the way the planet he is there but you can't help but feel and I, and I can't help but feel that there's he's taking up a shirt that could be you know someone even breaking through a young kid could, could have that and, and have those opportunities as they come along because we you know we're at the stage with with Divock. we've had him what since 2014 he's been loaned here loaned there it's clear after six years that he's never going to be a, a first team regular no I'd, I'd like just just sort of leave it on that leave him as a cult hero if he leaves this summer he's uh he, he is that for us. Nobody will remember the crap performance against Michiland or the, the game he came in for Salah and didn't do the business. Everyone's just going to remember Barcelona. Everyone's going to remember Madrid. Everyone's going to remember uh, Pickford ninety plus six. Yeah, Everyone, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, but on the other on the other side of it, you know, um, we don't have well, we have, we have a big squad, but we've nobody really coming through in that position. To the best of my knowledge, we've got rid of Brewster. Uh, and it only takes a couple of injuries, and you're thinking, well, we could just do with Devox standing up there and doing his thing. You know what I mean? He can maybe get one and four, one and five. He's playing regularly, but uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I think um, I don't think anyone at this stage is saying he's 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 going to be. There's a way back into Liverpool's first team for him when everyone's fit. Certainly not. Um, just like real dead quick in terms of other um, good performances. I thought Clarkson, especially first half, had a had a, had a nice debut. He was neat and tidy. Uh, when the opportunity allowed it, when it was appropriate, he, he showed quality in the ball. It was a great pass to to Salah at one point in the first half to almost put him in, which I think the commentator said was Jota, uh, but it was Clarkson. Um, and he gets he's caught in the left back position for the goal just when, when Simicast is off injured and he has to fill in. And you know you're on a hiding to nothing in that scenario. They just targeted him, and and that's where that sort of came from. But I was I was impressed with him certainly coming in, and you know I don't think he'd necessarily be. He's necessarily a player who's banging on the door if everyone's fit to be to be that youth player that we're excited about in the League Cup, the FA Cup, or a dead rubber Champions League game. Um, but he but he came in tonight and and I thought did pretty well. And the only other thing I guess is the the Reece Williams Comedio partnership uh, second half, which I thought was was actually quite hard to watch. And that's harsh because they're both kids, and you know who on earth is going to be the leader in that scenario? You've got a guy who's played non-league last year, and another guy who's been fast tracked into the into the first team, didn't even play under twenty threes. Uh, it was all about Danny Hill at times, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was, and it, it was just nervousness. Like I think they're both better centre halves than what they showed tonight, but it was just nervous. And you know, what can you do in that scenario? Neither of them are going to be the leader, and it, you know, and that's the only bit where jump back to the the first part of the podcast dead quick. That's the only bit where I can see why he hasn't played a team of kids tonight because you know that that second half. If we're being honest, it, it, I'm not saying this is what it should have been, but it could have ended three four one to Michiland. And you're looking at two kids whose 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 confidence might be shot for um for the rest of their careers, and maybe you could argue that 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 shows they don't have the mentality, they don't have the stomach for it. But you know, Klopp is is big into protecting these players as well, and I just thought, yeah, that, that was quite hard to watch tonight. And that was at the back, and I actually thought our our counter attacking tonight was pretty dreadful at times. You know, I understand the idea of playing uh, a bit conservatively to protect players, but. It doesn't mean you you can't play that through ball that puts somebody through. And Jota, I thought there were a couple of times tonight, you know, um, where he played the wrong ball or made the wrong decision. Same with Salah. Um, and, I, you know, I know we don't get to do it often. I know teams normally sit back and maybe Michelin came at us a bit more tonight because, let's face it, it is the biggest game in their history. But... I I just didn't I just didn't think I don't I don't think we're clinical enough on the counter attack certainly compared to what we used to be um early part of 2017 18 for example 
uh, early days under Klopp. You know, we're, we're quite sloppy in that regard. And with a couple of chances to kill the game off tonight, we've worked a situation uh, where, they're, where, where the other team stretched um, and weren't able to take advantage of it with, with pretty much, you know, your Salas, your Manes, your uh, Jottas um, as well. And that disappointed me. Um, do you want me to do VAR if I talk for too long, Ava? No, you're far away. Have your say in VAR. Yeah, I'll, I'll try I'll try to be as quick as I can then, because one of my main issues with the sort of narrative around VAR is that um, is, is it's definitely done better in Europe. And I think, you know, we can get ourselves into the, the habit of saying, oh, Europe just do everything better than us. And you know, in the majority of cases, it is true, let's be honest. But I, I watch a little bit of European football and that guy tonight, uh, the Texier, who's the referee, um, he got like a lot of stick in the last in the last month for... I think it was PSG were playing Marseille and he didn't adequately uh, analyze an offside for Marseille to put them 2-0 up. Um, and he actually came out after the game and said, I didn't want to delay the spectacle, you know, so I didn't appropriately analyze it because it was clear to him. 10 minutes of injury time. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he's obviously been battered for that. And the guy in VAR tonight um, is an absolute turnip as well. He referees a few games in, in France, but... Uh, my main point on it is like when we're watching La Liga or when we're watching Serie A or whatever, uh, and we just want to see a spectacle, when when VAR decisions take sort of 10, 15 seconds like we want, we're like, okay, fantastic. You know, that's that's exactly what we want to see. But you're not scrutinizing. If, if decisions aren't being adequately scrutinized, then obviously because you're not emotionally invested in the result of the game, all you care about is the flow. Whereas when it happens to your own team, you're like, well, was that actually checked there? Was that offside for the for the penalty? <laughs> that looked offside to me. And I know um, I was Johnny said they, they put the lines up uh, a little bit later. But yeah, it's it's Crookedly, it's one of those. I may add the the blue line was not parallel with the uh, the eighteen yard line. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sick of the dotted line, the, the solid line, the blue line, the the line that goes up the ways. Like I'm I'm just so done with trying to understand it all. But I mean, just just to finish up on this, like my my main takeaway from it is that. I, unless you can get it like goal line technology, um, where you can give an offside decision straight away, um, which is essentially having the game refereed by robots, you know what I mean? Unless you can do that, then I think you just have to scrap it because it really is ruining the fun of football. It's ruining the magic of football. It's ruining the the idea, you know, you're in the ground and there's a there's a goal scored. You have a quick look at the linesman, then you go mental. You can't do that anymore. And that mean, might seem like a facetious point at the grand scheme of things when billions of pounds are at stake and places in Champions League knockout rounds are at stake but I'd rather that I'd rather still have the, the enjoyment to watching football and for me it is the, it is the going mental over the goal it's not the sort of waiting about and thinking oh flip was there a handball 25 seconds ago you know that's what it is for me and and, and for me I have always been against it uh, I was against it when it came in uh, and I think unless and I, I'm fine with goal line technology so this isn't the case of me saying you know I'm against making football fair or whatever if you can get it like goal line technology where you have a billion cameras along the sideline and you can tell 100% a player's offside and it flashes up red on a screen or whatever then perfect and obviously you know I, I'm, I'm okay with it sort of used for penalties as well which are uh, subjective and always will be subjective but for me it just completely ruins football I, I genuinely haven't enjoyed football as much this year or last year because of that, because I can't celebrate goals straight away. Um, and, you know, I know you follow a bit of rugby, Dave, and I think it works in rugby because often, I know this is a bit of generalisation, but when tries are scored, very often tries come in for two minutes. You know, there's it's on the 35th phase or whatever. Um, and it's like the celebration when the try eventually happens. Well, you either know for two minutes it's either going to be a try or it's going to be a penalty against the other team. 
So the celebration naturally isn't going to be as wild in the same way as uh, the celebration at full time, if you've won a football match, isn't as wild as a goal because you've known right the way through stoppage time, we're edging closer, we're edging closer. And it's not that outburst of, of joy like a goal is. And that's what football is all about for me. And and, um, and I think it's really lost that with VAR. And I don't think, I think even if VAR is done perfectly, you still lose that. And that's why I just scrap it. No, I hear you in rugby and I, and I would have to concede that to you. Absolutely, you're correct. Um, you know, it's a different type of... It's, it's just, I think what John touched on, the transparency of, of wired up mics on on referees would would you know if we could actually hear how they come to the decisions i think it would it would be a major thing mike you know have your say on var and i, and I know you you're you're in the coaching young kids what what did you make i thought you know um andy single like clarkson there who did look pretty good um in phases of that game um maybe one for the future yeah i think he looked good uh, um I don't know if he's going to make it. You know, I'm not sure. Uh, they weren't that good of an opposition we played against. Worthy, you know. We might be able to sell them for 20 million. though. that'd be nice. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, we seem to be good at doing that, don't we? Um, I thought the young kid when he come on at half time, Billy the kid. I thought he looked really nervous. Uh, they were clashing, weren't they? Getting each other's way. Uh, there was one piece where he. I think he headed it off the head of Williams, didn't he, at one point. When they hit the crossbar, um, he looked dead uneasy. I think he needed a Fabinho or a Van Dijk alongside him just to settle him down and, and, and help him out. Um, as for the VAR, Dave, well, I don't really know what went on tonight. I'm convinced that it come off the defender's arm for our goal. Um like you say, the angles were really, really poor, weren't they? Um, but I'm just convinced. So it can't be offside, can it? Um, and as for the penalty, well, what can we say about the penalty, really? Uh, it, I'm, I'm not a lover of VAR. I, want, I didn't want it when it come in, Dave. I think it takes the talking points of football away from the us fans. Uh, as you know, you go and watch the game, you go to the pub after, and you'll be talking about a decision, the odd decision. All we talk about now is VAR, VAR, VAR. There's no discussion about football. Like we were saying uh, the other week, there was no discussion about Jota's goal. It was all about the VAR at Brighton. Uh, it was a great goal. It was a great goal. Um, there was no discussion about... Fabinho's clearance off the line tonight. What a great how we got back. Acrobatic took it off the line. Nothing about that. It's again, it's VAR. I think it's just took the whole discussion of football away from us. Myself. No, I, I, I can't really argue with, with you on that. And, and I think that it's it's the sense I think that, that, that all of us get. But listen, I think like, you know there's so. It was a frustrating game. It was. It meant nothing. But but there's something at the end of it now that we have, Mike, and that is we we know who our potential opponents in in the last eight or the last sixteen will be. Choice of Leipzig, Porto, Sevilla, uh, Atletico Madrid, Gladbach, Lazio, or Barca. Bar, barring Atleti, there's not. And 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 should we even be fearful of Atleti? No. Yes, we should be. Just I'm not going down that road again. <laughs> uh, I got burnt last season. I'm not going down that road again. 
Uh, out, out of the out of those, I only really want to to, to avoid Atleti. I'm at, I'm quite happy. I watched Barca last. They're they're full team by any stretch. Um, they're they're in disarray. They're no great shake, and I can't see a couple of months changing anything about that. I I'm I'm pretty comfortable if we avoid Atleti. We're we're, we're good to go. Well, what's your thoughts? Oh, I'm 100 percent agreement there, Dave. I, I, I've watched Barca a bit this year. They're, they're very poor. They're an average team. But do you know what? I'm not shocked they're average because for me, apart from the odd few games for Holland, Koeman was. I don't think he's a very good manager. To be fair, he did exactly. Well, he's he's a caretaker, it. is what he is. Yeah. I don't think he's a Barcelona yeah. manager. He's a caretaker. No, manager. no. No, yeah, you're right. He's a caretaker. He's someone they brought in, but I think he's a poor manager. I don't. I think, I think his old tactics are wrong for Barcelona. I think they're there for the taking. I wouldn't fear them at all. Uh, like I said, the only one is Atletico, and that's only because of his tactics. I think they're a better team this year, you know, Atletico, because they've got that threat of Suarez aren't they, up front. And I know he's getting on with age and that, but he's a threat, isn't he, wherever he goes, that bloke. So that's the only team out of the ones left that I would fear. Um, I think we can beat them, don't get me wrong, Dave. I don't think Clock would get stung twice from them. Um, but I think we'll be on the edge of the seats if we draw them. And what are the chances? What do you reckon? <laughs> oh. It's the draw we don't want, so it's the draw we'll get, is my, is yeah. my opinion on yeah. it. Uh, not, not that we'll have too much longer to wait. Andy, yourself, um, you know, where, where are you where are you standing on, on this? Are you, are you the same as us, or would you would you happily take on Athletic? Um, I, I said it last season, it was about time to put this myth to bed, um, you know, that Athletic would be the team to derail us sort of thing. And it kind of, well, backfired in my face, so I want to avoid them at all costs. Yeah, completely agree. Out of those seven teams you just mentioned there, uh, Dave, Athletic, Atletico Madrid is the, it's the one that, it's by far the one that I want to avoid. Uh, I watched them tonight, as I said at the start of the podcast. Um, and Salzburg had a chance early on, they hit the post. Um, but once Atletico got their noses in front, they were just impossible to break down. And Salzburg had a lot of sort of good combinations around the edge of the box and against a lot of teams. If it was a bit more space, it would have scored a number of goals tonight. But there was never even that big chance for them. And I think that's what we've seen all too, all too often from this Atletico side uh, and, in the last you cited earlier on as well about we're not just at our most clinical. We haven't really yeah. clicked in the gear just yet this season. I, I, I would quite happily avoid them. Yeah, and I, I was just having a quick look at the at the La Liga table there, and they've eight wins, two draws, no defeats this season. They've only conceded two goals. Uh, I know they were in a bit of precarious position in their Champions League group, but like flip me, that's some start to the season, and they're a, a distance ahead of Real Madrid and Barcelona, having played games less as well. So who, you know, could this be the season they uh, eventually? Well, they, they did win the league five or six years ago, didn't they? But but win it again and break that Barcelona Real Madrid dominance. Um. Yeah, they're they're hundred percent the team I want to avoid, mainly because like I look at other teams, other decent teams in that list. I look at like Leipzig, I look at Mönchengladbach, I look at Lazio, and I don't think there's like a massive difference in quality between Atletico Madrid and those three teams. But the difference is, I can I can see a way Atletico can come through a two-legged tie against us. I mean, not even the just o- the others play football, Andy. That's the difference. Yeah, they're, they're footballing teams. Whereas yes. Atletico are happy to 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 just frustrate you. 
So, like, if, say, if any of those teams played in La Liga, I wouldn't bet against any of them or all of them finishing above Atletico Madrid, uh, which sort of goes against what I've just said there about their record so far this season. But in general, that's the perception you have of Atletico Madrid. However, you can see, as I was saying, you can see a route for them to beat us over two legs if they can do what they did last time, which was get their noses in front. And it was a lucky goal, but you can you can't account for that. Sometimes you do go one nil behind. And Atletico, they're the worst team in, in football history almost to be 1-0 behind against. Uh, and that's why I'd avoid them at all costs. Um, yeah, just have a look at the rest of them there. So, uh, yeah, Barca, I'd even include Barca into what I've just said there. Uh, in that, I don't think there's a massive difference in quality, but I can't really see any, I can't really see any other way, any way for any of the other six teams there can beat us over two legs, really, if we're at our best, barring, um, you know, extreme circumstances of injury crises or whatever. Well, um, one would like to think our injury crisis would be well behind us by the time yeah. that we would we would go into these fixtures as well. Yeah, yeah, and in that case, if we have a full if we have full side, uh, Atletico is the only team I can see a route for them beating us over two legs in the round of sixteen. I mean, you've then on the tier below that you have got Gladbach, Barcelona, Lazio, and Leipzig, and then I think the two that you'd uh, absolutely do anything for at this point is Porto and Sevilla, isn't it? I, they're not bad sides, you know what I mean? But right, Champions League round of 16, my goodness, you'll take them all day long. Um, and it'll just be nice to get something like that because we have had a bit of bad luck in recent years. We obviously had Atletico, which was a horrible draw last year. With Bayern Munich in, in the round of 16, the year we the year we won it. Um, and even like drawed Man City at the quarterfinals the year before. We've, we don't tend to get really nice draws in these in these groups and maybe that's me sort of having a bit, a bit of a persecution complex with Liverpool I don't know but it feels like we're due a, we're due a, a nice round of 16 draw we're due a Sevilla we're due a Porto um, and the you know the other four teams are very good football insides but against us I don't think this against the full strength Liverpool side I don't think they stand a chance whereas Porto and Sevilla I just think we, we, we win that four or five goals in aggregate and that could come back to bite me in the ass but that's how I'm feeling right now no, I don't disagree with you. Um, I don't disagree with you at all. And I'll say, give me a footballing team every time in the last 16. Johnny, where are you in this? Or, uh, uh, like, uh, w- 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 would, you, would you want revenge against Atleti or would you just fuck up? No. <clears throat> There's a wee stubborn part of me would love to get them back, you know. There's a wee stubborn part of me because... No, no, Adrian, yeah. just, just go uh, for it. Exactly. <laughs> well, you, know, you know my feelings on that game. I'm, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to rehash it all, but we... It was probably our best performance of the season at home last season. Only Manny really didn't have a shooting boots on. We should have buried them. And we had them beat. We had them. And um, Adrian just basically <laughs> kicked, the, kicked the tie away. And then uh, it was just one of those one of those nights. But listen, you got to be sensible about it. And what do you want when you're chasing the league in a European Cup double? Which we are, despite having Van Dyke and Gomez. Uh, that's our goal this season, and it's and it's not an outlandish goal. This team is well capable of winning both, and your best way to do that is to get get a, a bit of luck in the in the draw, and the odds are good. You know, out of all the possible opponents, I agree completely with everything being said. It's they are the only they're the only team that if we drew, you'd go, oh, this is gonna, you know, this is good. It's a real tie. It's a real tie. Yeah. Yeah, that we'd be looking at it going, this is a real tie. We're going to be, it's going to be tight because stylistically, they are perfectly set up. They're not interested in playing football. They close off the passing lanes. They play a very low block. They will squeeze the life out of any game. 
and Simeone's just he's a master but they're a master of wasting time of the dark arts that's what they are that's and and it was a really fascinating tie when we got them last year and I actually thought we'd, we'd overcome them you know we turned it around and we got her well, we kind of did we kind of did and then fucked it all up and then we kicked it away but but I agree with everything been said I mean I look at the the other teams and Van Dyke or no Van Dyke I think I've said this before you know I just feel that the loss of Van Dyke, and who knows, you know, the, people say he could be back in April. Uh, you know, you hear those little rumours, but you'll feel the loss of a Van Dyke most keenly against, um, you know, if you play a Man City or you play, a, you know, if you play a, a Bayern Munich. A Bayern Munich, really, you know, that's the kind of game where you'd really be fearful. But no, listen, you take a. You, you want to avoid Atletico. The rest are all eminently beatable. Um, I mean, the dream scenario would be Man City draw Atletico. That would be good. That'd be nice to see to see that. And we get maybe Porto. Porto always seemed to be kind for us. You see Leipzig against United. We're, but, we're like a goal in that the Stadio Dragon. We really, really do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. We really do. We really do indeed. And then you look at Leipzig. I mean. All right, they they held on there, but they, they lost five more at United. So there's there's you don't look at any of the other teams really with with any great deal of fear. We're in really good shape, and I think by the time that restarts, I expect us fully to be clear at the top of the league, and and hopefully um, the squad in a better place as well. So no, it's exciting. It is exciting and. You know, it's the business part now, isn't it? You get into February and that's where it really starts to feel real and you're a few games away from a European Cup final. And, uh, yeah, it's good to be in the draw. And um, if you look at the whole competition, Bayern Munich are, the, are probably the one team that you go, you know, that would be a, a, a coin. Semi-final, I would like them. I would like them in yeah, the semi. I don't want them on one, like, one, one, one leg. I agree. I agree. They're, they're the one team where you go, Quality-wise, you know, they, they'd be the, the toughest, but everyone else we can beat. I'm not saying we, you know, <laughs> we're definitely we're, we're the big favourites or anything, but realistically, we could, even without Van Dyke, we can we can we we, we can take you're, nearly. You're, you're talking about Virgil there, and um, you know he he's starting to appear at games. You know he seems to be back in amongst the squad again. You know, John, what's your gut telling you? Because uh, quite honestly, I think we we'll see him again this season. I do I think do. we see him again. Uh, I, I, I think he could be fit for you know at the at the very least a semi final Champions League, which are, which is the barest minimum that I, I I expect from this team this season is the the semi final. And I think if we get that far, we could have a very good chance of having him back. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you know treatment and surgeries getting better and. Faster and recovery times of you know all the time it's getting better and you see him and he's already just working on you know he's working on his running and he's getting back to doing that that gym work and stuff and he's been very quiet on it um it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me if we got him back uh, and and what a what a boost that would be um so so yeah it, it, it's it's one to look at but I think the mad thing is that. Even with Fabinho and Matip, even without the best centre half parent in England, 
by a distance in Gomez and Van Dijk both out, we still think we're competitive and can win the league in the European Cup. And that I think that just shows what, what Klopp's built there in terms of mentality, doesn't it? More than anything else. Uh, absolutely. And, and and I agree with that totally. I still think even given the injuries, I still think we're you'd be mad to bet against us. You really would be mad to bet against us. But back to the league again, uh, I'll come to you, Mike, on this one. Given what we saw tonight, given what's at stake now at the weekend, you know, as, as the guys have said previously there, you know, we've got basically four days in between this and the Fulham tie now on Sunday. What, what, what do you see as our team going in, into that one? What, what do you think he does um, after on the evidence of what we saw tonight, Mike? Well, well I think he'll put start with Trent. I think Trent, I think tonight, ideally he wanted 60 minutes, but I think with the injuries and... Uh, you, don't, you don't see Allison back then? You know, no change of goalkeeper? I do, yes. I do. I think Allison will be back. I think he definitely will be back, yeah. Um, he seems to get injured a lot, but he seems to recover very quickly, doesn't he, Alison? Um, so, yeah, I like Easy when you back. declare yourself fit. Like, when you're declaring yourself fit, you don't stay injured too long. No, that's true. Uh, <laughs> but I expect him back, yeah. Uh, Arnold, Matip, Fabinho, Robbo. I think Jones will play, you know. I, he's really impressed me the last couple of weeks. Um, he's another one like Jota I think he's played himself into the team and he's looking like he's hard to drop at the minute don't you think the way he's played the last couple of games Joe? he certainly I, I had I had a real doubt over him Mike I really did um, and I was like I'm not sure he's going to do and and I think it's just a case of, a, of acclimatisation and he acclimatised to that team he's a confident kid he realises now he can't cut it with the, these guys uh, I think maybe his sin was he was maybe trying too hard. And I think yeah. he, he, he's at, at the level now where he said, you know, I, I'm on the pitch on merit here. And and that's taken away that sort of anxiety that he has. And what we see is his own game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he was trying too hard. He's trying to impress too much at the beginning. But the last couple of games, he's really impressed me. So I would think we're going to go with... Obviously, Hendo, I think uh, he'd be on my team. He's my first player in the team, you know, Hendo. Uh, I know a lot of Liverpool fans don't rate him, but I just think we're a different animal with him in the team. Uh, and Genie alongside Jones. And then I think we'll play our normal front three with Jota on the bench. Uh, Bob is another one. Um, I have arguments all the time, Dave. People don't rate Bobby, and I try and explain to him. Just because they're idiots. Correct. I try and explain to him his role in the team. He's not there. They keep going on about centre. I said he's not a normal centre forward. Uh, He's like, how I try to explain it, um, he's like the point of a diamond when we're attacking, isn't he? He's certainly not, put it like this, he's not a conventional nine. And if you try and play him as a conventional nine, as they do down here in Brazil, you don't get anything, anything from him. No, 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 you don't. Um, I rate him very highly, Bobby. I personally, Salah and Mane don't score the goals without Bobby. Bobby makes the space for them to score goals. I think he's very unselfish as a footballer as a centre-forward, as he's supposed to be. 
Um, I think he's a really unselfish footballer, Bobby. Uh, and I just think we're a better team with him with him in the side, personally. I know Jot has done brilliant, don't get me wrong. What a player to come off the bench after 60 minutes, isn't he? Uh, he can replace probably any of the front three. Do you know what? I think Salah will start. I really do. But I think he'll only play probably 60, 70 minutes and then Jota will come on for him. Yeah. No, I, I, I tend to agree with you on, on the Salah point. Um, I, th- I think, you know, again, Salah, Salah, I think, himself wants to play. Um, yeah. Andy, you know, where are you on this team? Um, what what would you agree with Mike? Do you do, do you see any 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 difference? And I think Trent starts. Uh, the question for me is is Allison fit or not? Um, you know, do do we get him in now or do we save him for the Tottenham game? I think that's the big question. Yeah, I think it's different with a goalkeeper, isn't it? Either they're they're fit to play or they're not. It's not you're unlikely to aggravate an injury by sort of throwing him in too early. I feel the way you can with. Somebody who's running about for 60, 70 minutes, you know what I mean? So um, I, I guess it's just uh, the club will know on that one. But certainly um, I think we can get away with playing Kelleher for another one, especially against Fulham, who aren't very good. Um, I, I pretty much agree with Mike. I don't think Salah will play. I've said that. I think Jota, Firmino will be the front three. Um, then you, you maybe give Salah half an hour and then have Salah fresh and ready then to play against Tottenham. Um the only other real one is the Jones versus Keita debate, because uh, I think Keita might play one of these next two, and Jones will play the other. I think Henderson and Wijnaldum will obviously play both. Um, and maybe you want Keita for that Tottenham game against the Jose Mourinho side that's, that's going to come and try and we get a bit more robust. Exactly. Yeah, a bit more um, robust. Uh, and and you know they're going to come and they're they're going to sit back and and Keita for all his faults, for all his flaws, he he. he you know, we brought him in because he was a guy who can unlock these these defenses that can find that but key I, pass. I mean, you talk, you, you're saying there about all his flaws. To me, mm-hmm. he only has one flaw, and that's the inability to stay to stay fit. Yeah, possibly. I mean, for me, he does go missing in some games as well. Um, I think there's, especially on on Twitter, with Liverpool supporters, you either you either think the sh- sun shines out of his ass, or you think he should be sold tomorrow morning. Whereas I'm sort of in between the two. I do rate him. I do believe in him. Um, and yeah, of course the injuries as well. But just thinking of these next two, like obviously Jones, I don't think Jones comes on at all tonight. Um, so you'd think Jones plays the plays the weekend, maybe give Naby another thirty forty minutes because Naby's obviously still coming back from injury as well. And then maybe you play Naby in that Tottenham game. I mean, you do have to think about these next three as a block because I think uh, it was you saying earlier, Dave, that then we've eight days, do we, until we play West Brom or maybe seven actually. Um, and the other thing we have to remember is, I'm obviously jumping a long, uh, a long way ahead here to Crystal Palace, but that will very much be in Klopp's mind because that's a 12.30 Saturday after playing on the Wednesday. Um, you know, I think people are forgetting we have that again just because it's two Premier League games. So, um, that, you know, it's, it's, he's going to look at these as a block of three. Uh, if we can get seven points from it minimum, uh, I think he'd be happy with it. The only other one really is Trent, as we were saying, and like to an extent, it's it is a bit of a, a bit futile what I'm saying here because the sports scientists know so much more on this than me, and they will ultimately um, be making the decision or certainly adv- heavily advising Klopp on what he should do. And I actually wouldn't be surprised um, to see 
Williams start maybe on Saturday, you know, just to, just at, or at least come on at half time or come on at sixty. I think Williams will play a big part uh, on uh, sorry on Sunday against Fulham. I think uh, definitely because you want Trent for for Tottenham to play ninety minutes, and you probably want him away to Palace as well. So I think that there'll be some management of Trent's minutes on Saturday, whether that means Williams starts or comes on halfway through or whatever it is. Uh, I don't know, but I'd say they're the they're the main talking points regarding the the team that plays against Fulham. No, and, and well, for my money, I think I, I, I start with Trent, Johnny. Um, you know, get the damage done early. Um, if we can c- get that game put to bed first half, they're not very good for them. They really, for anything I've seen of them this season, they look very ragged. And they're the type of team, you know, they're just going to sit back, but you would imagine we can break down. What, 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 what listen to the two guys there, what, what's your own take on the team? Yeah, 100%. I, Probably echo what 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 there's what the guys are saying there. I mean, if, if Allison is ready, he'll play. You know, if Allison's fit to go on goals at all, he'll play. He'll, he'll come in, and it sounds like he's there's probably more chance that he's back than he isn't. Trent 100 percent is going to play. I mean, Trent plays 90 minutes tonight because he hasn't played football and since Man City, and it's as simple as that. Um, and that was to get 90 minutes under his belt. To get him ready for these games, I'm a hundred percent. He'll be he'll be back in the team now uh, as a regular fixture. That's that. Um, I think then the debate up front is interesting. Um, uh, I know Andy said with Salah he played tonight, so he won't play. I actually would would bet I would bet a lot of money that he will start on Sunday. Uh, I think Klopp will go with him. On Sunday, he'll feel he's had four days off. He's our most. Um, you're gonna have the debate about um, Mane and Salah. It's a great position to be in when you're debating. You know, who'd you rather have out of them two? Because they're two of the best forwards in the league. But Salah is the man when it comes to goals. When it comes to creating chances, there's no one to touch him in that league since he signed. Uh, for, I, I believe he'll play on Sunday. I believe he'll play against. Um, uh, against Tottenham as well, and it, and it might be that you see a little bit of a a, a change um, against Palace, depending on how he is. Or, but I think David, you've sort of alluded to. I think the plan will be to go out and get the the job done against Fulham. I mean, defensively they're they're not good. They're, I always look at teams that play football against us, and whether it's Europe or the Premier League, and teams that come out to play football. Um, I always fancy our chances. You know, Fulham play football. They're they're open. Um, we we should have far too much for them. And then uh, I, I'd agree. I think it, it's then the interesting debate. I mean, that'll be the discussion. I'm sure after the weekend is team for Tottenham because that's a huge game in the context of the way this season's shaping up. Um, that's a huge game. They've got the wind in their sails. Mourinho's starting to get a bit of his... And it could be da- damnably frustrating for us, the way that they're playing at the minute, the way that they're setting up. It, it's totally, you know, park, bus, counter-attack. Oh, yeah, classic Mourinho. He's got them totally bought in. He's got that bit of mischief about him. You know, he's enjoying having... They're top team. of the league, Johnny. He's nothing to... He's not. He's no working buying them in. You know, all he needs to say is, we've got this far, we're top of the league, let's keep going. If you watch that Amazon thing, you can see how he works. And he'll be selling this shit brand of football has got us to where we are. Let's continue it. Hundred percent. And you know, we didn't have that buy in at United because there were players there that wouldn't have wanted to sacrifice themselves and because of their reputations and um and their brand and all that stuff. Whereas at Tottenham, 
he's got a group of players that they haven't really won anything. They're Tottenham, you know what I mean? So they're they're they maybe don't totally enjoy it, um, but they're buying into it. And it's classic Mourinho. They're set up, they're defensive. They hit on the break, and he's got them top end players. It was the same at Chelsea, you know. Set up your team to be really solid, and then you've got these match winners in the in the final third. And so that's a big, big game, Dave. And that, that's going to be a really, really interesting game. I still believe we show up at Anfield and do our stuff against yep. Tottenham. We can we, we rise to that, Johnny. I think this we is the do. first rise that we've had in a long time, or a, a need to rise to an occasion. Exactly, exactly. And you've seen it. You've seen it against Leicester, and you've seen it against Wolves. Home games recently against teams that people are saying, especially Leicester. Oh, you know they're riding high. They're right up there. You know, they're nowhere near our level. Spurs, let's let's be clear on this. Spurs are nowhere near our level. They're nowhere near it. In this strange season, given how well set up they are, could they maybe stick... The match stick winner in Son, that's that's what worries me. And he is he's and a Kane. super player. And Kane. Kane's, Kane's absolutely world-class as well. You know, so they do have that, but they're not on our level. And, um I'd be expecting a big, big, big Anfield performance that night, a statement performance to really go at them. But that's going to be a big game, one to look forward to. But don't forget the don't forget the two thousand supporters in as well. Like the noise they made yeah. against Wolves. Can you imagine them top of the table clash against Mourinho? Exactly. It's good. It's going to be really good. It's going to be re- it's going to be really good. And I'm really looking really looking forward to that game actually because it'll be interesting to see Mourinho up to his his tricks, but. I think we know about this Liverpool team. Um, we find ways around teams like that, and we're patient. We don't fall into these traps. We keep the ball. We'll move it, and I'd expect our front three to settle to settle that game. But exciting, but no big week. And I'd agree with what Andy said. You know, I think you, you get seven points out of it. I think Klopp would just about be happy. But you can bet every single player in that squad's looking at Palace, Fulham, Spurs at home and going nine points, please. We expect nine points. That group of players will expect to have nine points. And if we get those going into that West Brom game over Christmas, um, we'll be in really good shape. I think, Johnny, I think we'll uh, take Spurs to pieces, mate, at home. I do. I think we'll be a 3 nil, something like that. I really do. I think, if you look, they're giving Arsenal the ball, what, 60%, 69%. I think it gives us that. I think we'll be really up for it. I think we'll just... I think it'll be a 3-0, I do. I'm just that yeah. confident against... Yeah, I really am, Johnny, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, because, you know, the thing was with Arsenal, they gave Arsenal the ball, and Arsenal did all the things that you don't do. They just worked the ball into positions. They, they didn't even work the ball. You know, they just threw crosses into the box. And then they left their fullbacks too far up the pitch. They got picked off. You know, you give us the ball that much, we'll figure it out. We'll move you around the pitch. We'll get our front three on the ball. We've got a real structure to how we attack and how we get our fullbacks involved. And I agree. I agree. I, I wouldn't worry. Too, I wouldn't worry too much about about Arsenal because Arsenal. <sighs> All of my lifetime, pretty much, have been naive. Doesn't matter whether it's Emery, whether it's Wenger, whether it's uh, Arteta, Lundberg, whoever it is, they've always been naive, and that's the one thing that uh, a Mourinho side preys on is naivety. And this Liverpool side hasn't been naive since Van Dijk's been in, really, uh, since Van Dijk's been transferred in, um, and that's continued whether he's been injured or not. And there's there's a steely determination. There's a lot of actually 
Mourinho traits about this club side. It's not the sort of necessarily just pure heavy metal football, plan A or my way or the highway, whatever. It's it's we do sort of have that um that 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 grittiness about us that we can that we can sort of and I think I think it will be tight against uh, against Spurs, but I think you know I think we will ultimately come out the other end of it one nil or two one. I don't think it'll be a hammering. Uh, I would love what what Mike's saying to come true, but I just personally can't see it myself. But uh, listen, I'm sure I'm sure you want to you'll want to talk about this, Dave, on the after the next podcast, maybe or jumping a bit far ahead. I know, but it's it's the next big it's the next big obstacle on the horizon, and I think it sort of it, it it tells you where what we're thinking about Fulham. You know, Fulham's just like a distraction to get to the main event because I think all of us would agree that we just want to beat Spurs and put them in their place. And you know, I personally I feel they're a bit, bit ahead of themselves uh, with this whole top of the league thing, and and reality needs to bite with them somewhere down the line. And, and I think that reality will come, as you, as you rightly point out, the 2,000 fans in Anfield, um, under the lights as well. Oh, um, you know, it, it will make a difference, albeit it's not a, a full stadium. That will have an effect. But listen, guys, we've rambled on a bit and we'll, we'll leave it there for now. Um, I assume that we will be coming to you Monday after the Champions League draw when we find out our fate when we ever get fucking athletic, because that's what I think is going to happen. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen, but... Knowing our luck, and especially this season, it's what we'll get. So, just one last thanks to the guys. As always, pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you to the listener for taking the time to listen to us waffle. And until after the home game, up the Reds. <laughs> <laughs>